There's, a, there's three different QR codes there, how to get involved, how to give to us, and there's one about post-abortion support. So if that's your story and you need that, that support, we have a ministry um, that, will, that can, can speak to you and help you find that forgiveness. So many women come to our center in an unplanned pregnancy situation, and while a lot of them are planning to parent um, their babies, they're unsure. Some of them are really unsure what they're going to do. This last year, um, and our center has been doing that for over 30 years. For those of you that don't know, we um, bought a, a building in 2020 in downtown Prattville um, just behind um, Trustmark Bank. I had to think just a minute. Um, it's on First Street, and it's an old Victorian house that we've converted into the pregnancy center. I think it was a restaurant a few times and um, been a lot of different things over the years, but we hope to keep it as the pregnancy center. We've been around for 30 years and we hope for many, many more to be serving the women of the River Region. In 2023, um, we saw 330, we did 330 pregnancy tests, we did 213 ultrasounds and 1,091 classes. Those of you may not know, we do parenting resource classes. We talk about pregnancy, we talk about labor and delivery, all kinds of things to help these women feel prepared and fatherhood classes that are available to them. So of those um, three, uh, 330 pregnancy tests, we had um, 36 and four of them were negative tests. But y'all, even if they were coming abortion-minded, 36 come abortion-minded and they're negative pregnancy tests, we still give them information about what an abortion really is. We want, if they get in that situation again, we wanna give them good information so that maybe the next time they won't consider that. So that's why I want you to know how many that we saw all together. Um, we had 16 of those women that we know changed their mind for sure. 12 of them have circumstances that we consider them still abortion vulnerable. So maybe they have changed their mind, but they may have a boyfriend or a parent or somebody in their life that's encouraging abortion. So we know at any point that they could also change their mind back. We continue to follow those throughout their pregnancy, the ones that will allow us to. And we had six that left still determined to have an abortion. So we continue to pray for them. I have one volunteer. She was a volunteer, then a staff member, and she would tell me all the time, Carla, this is where we pray. And she said, that's the most powerful thing. We, we forget that prayer is the most powerful thing that we can ever do for them. So as we are here on Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, we are saying that all life is sacred and that it's precious and holy. And so I want to first give a little bit of a disclaimer that I don't have all the answers for you, but I do believe for those of you in here that are parents and grandparents that us teaching holiness, the holiness of life, the sanctity of life starts in our homes. So I want to share, I've, I have had a huge burden since the Dobbs decision of really sharing the message of our responsibility to pass down the holiness of, of life. And so that's one of the things I want to share with you today. And the reason for that is, is as Dobbs decision, the Dobbs decision came down in June of 22, and some of you have heard me speak before, so you've heard a little bit of this story before. My son, who was 16 at the time, he's my middle child, came to me and he said, Mom, these girls have lost their minds. And I was like, 
And if any of y'all know my son, sorry, please don't, don't crucify him at school tomorrow. Um, but um, he, he, I said, what are you talking about? And he said, mom, they're on social media. They're everywhere saying that because, you know, that, that their rights are being taken away from them first. So they absolutely do not understand what that decision really looks like. And, um, and then they're also saying that people like me, boys, don't have any right to say anything to them because we don't have a uterus. And I was like, what is our world teaching these girls? And then my heart said, and my response to him immediately was, you mean girls that don't go to church, right? And he said, no, ma'am. And he answered, I mean, he replied to me with almost every church in our county. Somebody, you know, somebody went to this church and this church and this church, and he knows that they attend. And I was just, my heart grieved. I took the day and seriously cried and then decided that we need to be sharing the message to them and really also realized that that message doesn't need to just start when they're fifth and sixth grade, seventh and eighth grade, as, you're, as they're getting older and you're teaching them what's age appropriate about this information. It needs to start when they're, when they're little bitties. So there's some material, I will tell y'all, if you'll go on Focus of the Family, they have some family material to help you guide your children, some activities to show them the sanctity of human life. It starts when they're a little bitty, whenever you're here at church and someone has a new baby and your little bitties want to go see that new baby. And you just say to them, aren't babies precious? You don't realize the message that you're sending to them. There are some little babies out here that I brought with me today that show you how babies develop over time. Go out there and see them. Take your little babies and tell them this is how babies grow in mommy's tummy. That's important for them to know that life is sacred and that they are a developed human in the womb. Because the world tells them it's a blob of tissue and it doesn't matter. You have been told that abortion doesn't happen in our state. And I would love to tell you that yes, once Dobbs hit, that there are no more abortions happening in our state. And I can tell you there are no more surgical abortions happening in our state. But you all need to know that women can go behind the privacy of their phone and have access to the abortion pill. It can be sent to their home in two weeks and it comes from out of the country and the information that comes to them says to them, if this is, if you have complications from this, if this is not effective, go straight to the hospital and do not tell them that you have used this medication. I want you to know that because before Roe versus Wade, they were required to go to the abortion clinic to get that medication. They were required to have a ultrasound which also let them know that under the FDA guideline, they were getting a medication that was approved up to 10 weeks. This medication is effective much later than that. So that 868,000 that's on your wall out there, you're right, it probably is much higher than that. Much higher than that. And so it is, it is devastating to my heart to think that we are not educating our kids from the beginning, right? As they grow a little bit bigger and our children get a little bit older, what, what other messages are we sending to them? Are we, when someone in our church that's having baby number three, which I have three kids, and baby number four, and I did hear this message, don't you know what causes that? 
And we think it's fun. It is funny. But the truth is, is that these women come to us when they're 37. We had a lady that her video was shown at our banquet last year, 37 years old, pregnant with baby number four. And she was considering abortion because she felt like she was too old or, you know, she didn't have the, the funds or the, you know, whatever, the support she needed. We need to change our language so that she would never even consider that. I say all the time, Roe versus Wade is not overturned by law. Roe versus Wade is overturned when we overturn it in our own hearts. So, and I've totally gotten off track of what I, I do this every time. I got, get off track of what I was going to tell you guys. So, um, in, on June the um, 20, oh, yeah. On June the 22nd, the law that was passed said that it went back to the states to make a decision. So around us, I went and checked just to be sure that I had accurate information. And women can go to states very close to us. I just wanted to be sure. Um, I'm not going to say what states those are. You can, if you are interested or want to talk to me about it, we can talk, to, talk about it outside. But um, there are still states very close to us where surgical abortions are happening. So I want you to know that as well. So after all that long introduction, I want to tell you just a little bit about um, what God's Word says about being pro-abundant life, because that's what we want to be at River Region Pregnancy Center, not pro-life, pro-abundant life. Jeremiah 1.5 says, I before I formed you, I knew you. It's explicitly stating that God values life even before it begins. And to back that up, we know that when those first two cells meet to form a baby, all that DNA can be found in those first two cells as if we were to swab your cheek right now. I think, and it says that, you know, my lobes are attached and yours are not attached. You may have a dimple in your chin. It creates that life and what makes up that life. I think that's super important. I'm sure that everybody has been um, in an ultrasound room in here, maybe, or maybe you have seen an ultrasound picture or a video of one, and you guys see that little bit of a flutter of a heartbeat that happens. That happens at five weeks and two days. Most women don't even know that they're pregnant, y'all. And it happened, you know, five weeks and two days. That's, that's amazing to me. The second way um, that we can be a pro-abundant life is that um, we know that if Christ is our Savior and He values life even before it begins, then we should value life before it begins. Y'all, there's a story that y'all talked about just last month of an, the most famous unplanned pregnancy, Mary and Joseph. They were not expecting that to happen, were they? Can you imagine all those thoughts that ran through Mary's mind? And she said, let it be unto me. And then Joseph, he stepped into that. He was scared at first, and he could have put her away quietly, which would have been like that young man out there that's saying, you know, I'm, whatever you want to do, I'm behind you. You know, it's your choice, whatever you want to do. But do you know that the statistic, which is actually the most powerful statistic out there, 90% of women who the father of the baby will say, whatever you want to do, like if you will choose life, I will be with you in that. Instead of saying, it's your body, your choice. She will choose life because she knows he's going to be with her in that. And that's why we have gone to such lengths to start this fatherhood ministry. At the core of the story of Mary and Joseph is also what's true for us today. God's plan is always the right plan. Mary and Joseph, they listened to the voice of God and it did exactly as they were told. 
you and I have his word through our Bibles. We know that he values life from the beginning. So the last thing I want to talk about being pro-abundant life is that we, um, we need to understand that Jesus laid down his life so that we could have eternal life. That pro-abundant life comes from John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. There are two Greek words used in the New Testament to talk about life. One is bios, which is where we get our word biology. And the other one is zoe. In this part of the Bible, that's the word it uses. It's talking about spiritual life through the sinless life, death um, that Jesus did on that cross for us. Y'all, that spiritual life is so important, and that's where you guys come in. We need a place to be able to move our ladies from the support we give at the pregnancy center into the church. So you guys opening your hearts up to them, opening your church, your small groups, well, I'm not sure what y'all call them, life groups, small groups, Sunday school, whatever you call it here, you being able to embrace them and walk with them. Y'all, we know that God's plan is a baby inside marriage, but a baby is not a sin. That sin already happened. So it's our responsibility as pro-abundant life people to love them, pull them in, teach them about Jesus, and point them to the right way. As our... Um, our fatherhood ministry has really gotten going. We've had a couple of situations of this, and we're really excited. Um, we have a couple that has been involved in our ministry. This is kind of an aside. And we have been encouraging them to, to look into marriage. And um, because they're, they're already kind of living that way. But we know that God has so much more for them. They actually got engaged over New Year's. So we are super excited about that and walking with them through that process. So you can do that. You can step into that program and walk in in fullness with them, showing them what pro-abundant life really looks like. I would love to share more with you. I'm out of time because I want to let Pastor Danny have time to preach to you guys. But thank you all so much. Please come by and see me before you leave today or come by the center. Thank you all. Amen. That's fine. Thank you, Ms. Carla. That was... That was great. I was wondering if you were going to go over stats or not. I didn't have stats in my message this morning, but uh, we got the stats on the wall back there as well, and, uh, and check that out. I encourage you, if, if you don't know anything uh, outside of the pregnancy center other than what you just heard now, I encourage you to go over and speak with Miss Carla, Miss Alda, whoever else has been involved there, and uh, find out ways you can help, you can support, you can pray, uh, things of that nature. Uh, so with the little bit of time that I have this morning, uh, I want to go ahead and, and talk about a David and Goliath battle. David and Goliath battle. We'll start off in Genesis chapter 1, but we'll have three main texts. And, uh, oh man, Oscar, that TV's not, not on back there. So much for christening it. Oh, there we go. It's not on up here either. <laughs> I always blame Oscar. If something's wrong, it's either Gabe or Oscar's fault. And so I, you just default to that, right? And so I think you, 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 you read my notes, Carla, because as soon as you did something, I was like, hey, Rebecca, look at this. But uh, I, I, am, I wasn't able to look around. By a show of hands, if, if you currently serve in any capacity in, in the pregnancy center here in Prattville, whether on the board or actually in the office, could you raise your hand? I'm wondering if you currently serve. 
Okay, all right. I, I'm, I was just curious. So there's about three or four of them that currently serve in our local River Region Pregnancy Center. And they're in the middle of a David and Goliath battle. They've been in the middle of this battle against Planned Parenthood, who would be the Philistine giant that's waging a war. And so with this being the case, I wanted to reveal some information. So what we have here is we have a report that's been produced from Planned Parenthood. It was about nine, ten months overdue, surprisingly. But there was this report that was revealed, and I want to reveal some startling information. The report showed that there are 200 abortions given for every adoption referral, according to their own report at Planned Parenthood. Since the year 2010, cancer screening, cancer prevention services, and prenatal services went down 74 and 72 percent, respectively. Also, their funding had increased from the previous year of this report. Government funding increased to $633 million. Private funding increased to $593 million. Planned Parenthood had received $102.6 million more funding than the previous year. All while the cancer prevention, the cancer screening, the prenatal services have decreased well over 70%. Planned Parenthood's total revenue for 2021 was $1.7 billion, according to their own report. Planned Parenthood is nothing more but a money-making machine, simply put. They're in it for the money, and because of the greed of the money, I would argue they don't care about the people that are going to see them, and they are so much against and attacking the men and women that are on the board and serving at the local pregnancy center. This is truly a David and ba ba uh, Goliath battle. If you don't believe me, you can go to Planned Parenthood's website right now. I just pulled this information yesterday. If you were to go to Planned Parenthood's website, and you go to the section where it says, are you considering parenthood? So if you're considering parenthood, it'll go ahead and give you some people to speak to. It'll say you can talk to a partner, a religious advisor, a counselor, Okay, then you go to considering adoption. Are you considering adoption? Okay, you can talk to a partner, a friend, a trusted community member. Are you considering abortion? Choose people who are understanding and support you. Your local Planned Parenthood has caring professionals, blah, 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 blah. Where's the counselor? Where's the trusted friend, community member? Where's the religious advocate or advisor? It's divorced from this section of their website. If, if someone's just clearly inquiring about abortion, don't talk to anybody unless they support your decision or come talk to us because, hey, we want your money. But wait, there's more. If we stay on the Considering Abortion page, it says, beware of anti-abortion crisis pregnancy centers. What Planned Parenthood says very clearly and openly and what government saying very clearly and openly is the people that have stood and said they have volunteered or been on the board of the pregnancy center or they currently serve and are on the board they are saying that these individuals are deceptive manipulative lying and this is from their own website it doesn't stop there they say going on they'll say that providing and where are we at there we go yeah they'll talk about they do not give information, accurate information, and they don't perform services. Well, providing information is completely different from providing services. And so there's clear information that's given from the 
pregnancy centers that has all the information as far as any of these choices that a parent would want to make or do. They also say on the adoption page that they're after the same crisis pregnancy center as well. They claim that they hide fact-based medical information. Wrong. They're probably one of the only entities that provide accurate medical fact-based information. Oh, and they also claim that they don't have medical doctors on staff, but I believe we just talked the other day, Bob, you know, about uh, there is a Baptist health doctor that is currently well tied to the River Region Pregnancy Center. All this stuff on their website is deliberate lies, misleading information. This is truly, truly a David and Goliath battle. You see, like Ms. Carla had already mentioned, not only do they provide information, not only do they provide pregnancy testing, ultrasounds, seeing and hearing the heartbeat, things like that. They have baby boutiques where they give away free stuff. They have parenting classes with free material. They have fatherhood classes for the guys that need to know how to be a good Christian man. Not only that, they have post-abortion support. Whereas Planned Parenthood, they want to go ahead and get the money and then cast them aside. Even if somebody chooses the wrong decision of the abortion, the men and women of the River Region Pregnancy Center are standing there and wanting to walk side by side with them in their life and in their struggle and in their pain, offering the forgiveness and the hope that's found in Jesus Christ to move on from that decision. So the question naturally comes, in this David and Goliath battle, where did this issue come from? I do think Carla stole a few of my notes from this morning. I don't know if she read it or whatever the case is. But I truly believe the problem that we have on the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday and why there's so many pro-choice and my, my choice, my body, it stems to one word, worldviews. It goes to the worldview, period. And so with that, I want to go ahead and talk about an analogy that is used. You see, there's this analogy that is taught. It has a few blind men and an elephant. I don't know if you've ever seen this illustration or this analogy, but so there's blind men and they're each feeling a different part of this elephant. One blind man feels the trunk and he says, ha ha, this isn't, I, I, I think I know what this is. This is a snake. So, okay, one's touching the side of the elephant trying to figure out what it is. He's blindfolded. He's like, oh, what I'm feeling is a wall. It's a massive wall. The guy touching the tail is saying, oh, this, this feels like a rope. I have a rope in my hand. And so these blind men, each thing that they're touching they believe it's a snake, a wall, and a rope. The moral of this analogy that is given is the fact that neither one of them has the whole truth of what they have. But that's wrong. Neither one of them has any bit of the truth. They all have bad information. It is not a wall. It is not a rope. It is not a snake. It is, in fact, an elephant. You see, what this analogy tries to go ahead and teach in our world today is the fact that it's all just your perspective. No one's perspective is more right or wrong than another. And so it could be a snake to you, even though it's a trunk for me. It's like the illustration you see that you have two people standing on opposite sides of a number that's written on the, on the ground. And one of them saying, oh, this is a six. The other's like, this is a nine. And it's like, oh, it's all about your perspective. Wrong. Somebody put that number on the ground. Somebody knows what that elephant is. It's not a wall. It's not a snake. It's not a rope. 
And so as opposed to this subjective explanation as far as this is what I believe it is, we need to go to who actually knows that that's an elephant. Or who actually wrote that number on the ground? Is it a six or is it a nine? You see, the problem we're having today is a problem of worldviews. And this fact on everybody wants to have subjective ideas, subjective truth, no absolute truth, no absolute morality. And so what I want to do is answer the question on three worldview questions, if you will, that dictate which worldview you hold to, which worldview you hold to. The three questions are actually, where did we come from? Where are we going? And why are we here? And I really want to go ahead and just break this down very briefly. Your two answers to this is really going to be very simple. It's either it's all because of nature and whatever facet you want to tie that into, or it's all because of God. Those are the only two explanations. And so I want to look at each of these questions real quick. The first one is, where did we come from? Where did we come from? You see, from a naturalistic explanation, from an atheistic explanation, even from an evolutionary explanation, which would be naturalistic, life came from nothing. In the beginning, nothing was there, and nothing exploded and created everything. And that's what's taught in science books, textbooks, and the school systems, colleges, and things of that nature. You see, not only that, not only did life just, the universe just expand and blow up from nothing, it's taught that we, mankind, has evolved from a common ancestor as a monkey. All right, now please, 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 I know there's a lot of well-meaning Christians out there that are going to use the argument, if we came from monkeys, why are monkeys still around? Please get rid of that argument. Take it away, throw it away, put it in a trash can, quit using it. That's not the argument that's being made from the naturalist or the evolutionist. They do not say that mankind has evolved from monkeys. They say that mankind has shared, shares a common ancestor from the monkeys or the apes. And so it's a totally different. So if you want to have any sort of good arguments with somebody that holds to a naturalistic view, please don't bring up the fact that if we came from monkeys, why do they still exist? Because you're just going to be laughed at, ridiculed, not taken seriously. It's all about going back to a common ancestor, which leads to the fact on life is just accidental. From a naturalistic perspective, it's accidental, it's random, it's happenstance, it's coincidental. There's no purpose you see, let me ask you this. Which would you appreciate more? Would you appreciate more if somebody you haven't seen in, say, 10, 15 years just happened to come across your path? Or would you really appreciate more that someone you haven't seen in 10 or 15 years purposely, intentionally came to visit you? Which would you appreciate? Someone that just randomly happened to come into your path? Or someone was like, you know, I haven't thought about seeing Byron in a while, so let me go see Byron and say hi. If you're honest, you're going to appreciate a lot more the one that had the intention of seeing you as opposed to the one that never even thought of you and it was just coincidental. That's the naturalistic explanation. It all just happened out of nothing for no reason, whatever the case is. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, we read that in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we get to Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. 
What scripture records is that life, the creation of the universe, the creation of mankind, and the creation of every creature on this planet was a purposeful, intentional, caring, and loving creation by a personal God. It's because God was purposeful and intentional that life has meaning, that life is sacred, that we recognize what's known as Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. What does that mean? It means to be set apart, to be dedicated for one's use. We just had the forge the other day, and I was showing, uh, I was showing uh, uh, Hakeem my coffee bar, right? And so the coffee bar in our house gets a lot of attention. It's great. You know, we have like 28 different ways to make coffee. It's, it's interesting. But what I want to illustrate is the fact that, okay, while well, we have the coffee bar, we have coffee pots, things like that, we have two cabinets above there. And in those two cabinets are filled with probably like a hundred different coffee mugs. We like mugs. But you don't use a mug unless it's for hot chocolate or for coffee. You don't use it for water. You don't use it for soda. You don't use it for anything. They are specifically for hot chocolate or coffee. They are set apart. They are sacred to the coffee drinking experience. You see... The sanctity of human life is just the same. Life is sacred, sanctified, and set apart for God. That is why we are here. It is life from God for God. And we'll talk about that briefly here in a moment. You see, not only that, so we got, where did we come from? You either have an accidental random chance product of evolution, or you have a personal, intentional creation sacred to God. And then second, we have to ask the question, where are we going after here? Well, hate to tell you, Drew, but it ain't Taco Bell. We're not going to Taco Bell. <laughs> you do a tuck and roll. <laughs> Open the door, you do a tuck and roll. <laughs> All right, we'll go to Grumpy Dog instead, right? We already had that debate here a while back. So where are we going after here? You see, again, if we're taking a naturalistic perspective, a naturalistic worldview, there is nothing after this physical life. If you ask Lawrence Krauss, we just return back to the stardust. If you ask any other atheistic philosopher, you just return to the ground, you cease to exist, and what's to stop anybody from fulfilling Luciferian Aleister Crowley's motto, do what thou wilt? This is the whole of the law, he says. So, One thing that honest atheists will admit is they love the concept of the Bible that there is judgment after life. Because what's to judge evil people like Hitler or Pol Pot or the real Pennywise? What's to stop and judge those people when they've never been judged this side of the dirt? Scripture gives the answer for that. Scripture reveals in Hebrews chapter 9 verse number 27 that it's appointed unto man once to die. And then after that is the judgment. You see, God purposely created every life on this planet. And not only that, there is a a location, a residence we all will dwell at after we take our last breath. The decision is where are we going to dwell? Where's our zip code? Our zip code is either going to be with God in a personal relationship or it's going to be separated from God in all eternity. And Jesus Christ had provided the directions to have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We look at the fact that we're a sin, we're sinners, 
We're separated from a holy and righteous God, and no sin can dwell in his presence. And that because of that, Jesus Christ came, died the death you and I deserve to die, lived the life you and I uh, died to death we deserve to die, lived the life we could not live, so that we could have everlasting life. And that if we put faith in his sacrifice on the cross for our sins, we can have our residency with God. You see, not only that, but understanding that there's an accountability after this life. Realizing the fact that there's an accountability after we take our last breath does actually shed some insight to this choice against Planned Parenthood, against pro-choice or pro-abundant life. Because if we realize that I'm going to make an account, I'm going to give an account for every decision that I've made on this earth, then I'm going to try to make the best decisions and actions that please God and glorify him. And should I make a decision, choice, or action that displeases him? I know, even as a Christian, before the judgment seat of Christ, not for salvation, but for rewards or loss, is the fact that I will give an account to all the poor decisions and actions that I have taken. And so understanding this concept that after this life, it does not end, it actually is just changing our zip code, and that we will give an account for what we do here on this earth, and if we say we're an ambassador for Jesus Christ, and if we don't uphold the values of God here on this, this planet, as a Christian, we will give an account for that. And understanding this will help us to get involved in the battle for the right to life. You see, not only was life a purposeful, intentional creation, not only is there accountability to go ahead and, and uh, give, why are we here? Why are we here? Again, if you take an atheistic, naturalistic explanation that the universe just came to being out of nothing, and oh, by the way, if scientific laws are transcendent, immutable, and unchangeable, regardless of time or location or culture, I'm still waiting for the law of abiogenesis to happen. The law of abiogenesis is the fact of life comes from non-life. Well, if that's the case... Why have we not seen life spontaneously come to existence from non-life? That is what atheists and naturalists want to argue. The somehow life, what they will call a single-cell protozoa billions of years ago, first came from non-life and from there created you and I, evolved you and I. That's never happened. And so if scientific laws are immutable and unchangeable and timeless, then why have we not seen this law happen again? Life only comes from life. But to the atheists and naturalists, there's no ultimate purpose. The purpose is only what you make it here and now. That's it. Your purpose, your meaning, if you want to go take a noble cause as an atheist or a naturalist, guess what? You can do that. There is a temporary benevolence in that. But there is no eternal benefit of that. And who's to say your cause, your benefit is better than another's? What if my benefit is to steal your car? Steal your Taco Bell gift card. You know, that's my purpose in life. Don't worry, Drew, you can hold it. I don't want your Taco Bell gift card. That's where this idea of subjectivity comes into play. Whereas if we go to Ecclesiastes chapter number 12, we hear Solomon say, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. You see, according to scripture, not only was life created purposefully and intentionally, 
not only do we have an accountability to stand before, whether Christian or non-Christian, after that we take this last breath, but life was created purposefully. One of the questions y'all commonly get is, what do I do in these gray areas of life? I don't know if I should do this, should do that, whatever. I don't know if it's a sin to me to do it. Simple question is, how does God get the glory? You know, if you were to ask me, what is the purpose and meaning of life? I would say to know God and to make him known. To know God and to make him known. God has revealed himself in three different ways. And we have the decision and the choice to respond to that. And then once we respond to that, then we can go ahead and know him fuller, deeper. And then from there, we can be an ambassador. We can grow in discipleship, seek to love our Lord, make him Lord of our life, because that's what we should do as a Christian. And then from there, we can be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ for the community. You see, again, it's all about worldviews. Either there's no purpose, there's no accountability, do what thou wilt, because life is just an accidental byproduct of chance, or there's ultimate purpose and meaning of life, Because God has created every single human life for a purpose set apart for him. And that we should live in light to the accountability on what we do with this life we have. You see, the David and Goliath battle between Planned Parenthood and our pregnancy center is not going away anytime soon. It's not going away anytime soon. You see, I do have these handouts that normally they're in the back. But with this handout, it talks about comparing worldviews, the difference between theism and atheism. And it breaks down four main worldview questions. Now, I encourage you, if you want more information, pull one, take it, whatever the case is. It's all about worldviews. You see, we can fight to uphold godly legislation, Overturning Roe v. Wade was a victory, at least in some point, because it gives the autonomy back to the state, the authority back to the state to make their own decisions. And if you don't like the state's decision, guess what? You can move away from that state and go to a state that you will believe in their politics. So there was a victory there. And we can fight to uphold godly legislation, but you know what? They're still going to get around laws. People are going to do what they want to do. It's not a law issue. It's a Lord issue. That's it. Carla stole my notes from earlier. We can make all the laws in the world. There was one law in the Garden of Eden. Don't eat from the tree of the fruit of the tree of the good uh, knowledge of good and evil. There was one law. Man will find a way to go around that law. Not a law issue. It's a heart issue. You see, if we want to change the culture, we need to change the community. Carl already said, Carl already said this. If we want to change the culture, we need to change the community. And if, we need, if we're going to change the community, we need to share Christ. Because it's only Christ that can change the heart of man. Not me, not you. It's not going to be done through force. We can have good legislation passed every year. Yeah, the numbers might drop a little bit, but they won't go away forever. They'll find other ways to get around it. We have to share Christ with the community so that the community can change the culture and the culture can finally put the end to this abortion crisis. 
And that's really the message I wanted to get across this morning. In this David and, ba- David and Goliath battle against Planned Parenthood and against the people you know and love, some of who's sitting here right now that's in the trenches fighting this battle, we got to stand up for them. We got to pray for them. We got to encourage them. We got to support them. We got to financially contribute to them. We got to go ahead and be an advocate for them as well. And so with this, I wanted to go ahead and do something a little different at the end. Again, worldviews, it's a matter of worldviews, is I would like to ask that if you currently serve in the River Region Pregnancy Center, I would love to have you come up front with me because what I would love to do is I'd love to have a special time of open public prayer for the men and women that are currently in the battle in the trenches against the entities of Planned Parenthood. So if you're willing, if you currently serve, or I'll say even if you did serve in the past, if you're willing to come forward, I'd love to just pray with you real quick. And with that, we'll end the sermon and we'll move on to uh, the offering. So if you'd love, love to, I'd come on up here. And so as people are coming up, it's, these are the people that we need to keep in regular prayer. We need to keep encouraging, checking on, because remember when I said Planned Parenthood says that crisis pregnancy centers, they're lying, they're manipulative, they're deceptive. These are the only ones that care. Planned Parenthood don't care, they just want the money. We're the ones that care because we're going to be here after the fact to go ahead and give support and love and grace and mercy and forgiveness to those that had abortions and those that are going to provide free gifts and free teaching and education on how to be a good parent. Baby boutiques, gifts, things like that. These are people that are being attacked on a regular basis. I know after this, we're going to go through our weeks and go about our days. But we have to remember these people are on the front lines of a battle that is not only spiritual, but it's also physical nature. And so I just want to have a special time of prayer with men and women up here and and if you're interested in volunteering at the River Region Pregnancy Center, see Carla after this. Or if, if it's later on, you can see, you know, Alda, Whitney. There's a lot of other people that are currently there as well. Also, you can see Bob. So, but I want to go ahead and pray for them. We'll close the message portion, and then we'll move on from there. So, God, I just thank you for this morning. And thank you for uh, the decision with Reagan back in the 80s to dedicate this Sunday to be Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And Lord, we're thankful for the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade and give the authority back to the states where it should have been all along. But Lord, we know that that doesn't end the battle. That just moves the can down the road and gives new location on where the battles are fought. Lord, we're thankful for the men and women that decide to step up and get in the trenches, don the spiritual battle armor, and to go ahead and go to war to stand for the sacredness of life as your word declares. And so, God, I, I know it's got to be discouraging at times. It's got to be uh, feel defeating at times. Lord, I know there's a lot of adversaries and attacks. And, Lord, I just pray for these individuals that are with me up here that you would give them a special blessing, continue to give them endurance, perseverance, and grit. Give them the heart of com- compassion and humility and love, grace, and mercy to love on those. And even for those, Lord, that do decide to go to the unfortunate route of abortion, give these individuals the love the grace to still minister to them as well as they currently do and to go ahead and give them the opportunities to find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. 
But Lord, we know it's not the laws, but it's going to be you that makes the changes. And so give us a burden, give us a strength, give us the ability and articulation to give you to a world that desperately needs to find abundant, abundant life. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would just give a special blessing and a hedge of protection around these men and women and around our local pregnancy center. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all. So, uh, that's just briefly what I wanted to share. I know we went a little long, but uh, uh, like I said, someone stole my notes. So, <laughs> that's funny. But So, I encourage you, when you go through the week, put them on your regular prayer list. Pray for the Pregnancy Center. Pray for those that are involved, not just ours here, but also around the country as well. And so, uh, at this time, we'll have our men come forward for the offering. And uh, so, this offering will be just a general offering for those that are part of the church.